Good morning. I trust you're enjoying uh, meeting together, even though we are uh, in different homes, uh, but worshiping together this morning. It's my privilege this morning to uh, introduce Lydia Summerfield to you. Uh, she is the uh, chaplain or spiritual care provider at Bethesda Place and Bethesda Hospital. Um, I have the privilege of working with her on the, uh, the committee uh, that kind of oversees and uh, works to support her in this role. And also have the privilege of having Michael here uh, with her as well. Uh, they are engaged uh, to be married in a month. And uh, I know that um, weddings and funerals can be a bit challenging with some of the restrictions, but uh, we uh, want to bless you as you, uh, as you do that. So we're excited to have you here uh, this morning, Lydia. Please come and uh, share what the Lord has laid on your heart with us. Well, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for the staff also who are here in the congregation. Thank you for what you're doing this morning to make it possible. This is hard work to release, to serve and to worship through the camera. Hello, we love you. We miss you. And we do wish and we know one day we will be back together. My name is Lydia Somerville, as Ernie uh, already announced, that I work at uh, Bethesda Regional Health Center as the chaplain, a spiritual care provider. Sometimes people use the big term as spiritual health care practitioner. It's a really long term that you really don't need to remember. Basically, I just love being a minister of mercy. So today I'm here, and uh, I'm here to talk to you about a sort of a difficult topic. And as you would probably imagine that at the hospital, uh, in the care home, I get a lot of experiences of joy and excitement and fun and encouragement because I'm laughing a lot of the time with uh, the older grandmas and grandpas. That's what I've affectionately now just called them because I actually don't have any family, uh, any grandparents or extended family in Canada. And so I've affectionately now called them my grandmas and my grandpas. And so the care home has become for me a place of just delight and joy and fun. And it's been hard. There's been some things this past year that have been really, really difficult. But then on the other hand, at the hospital, a lot of the time, the things that I go through are meeting people in grief, death, loss, and now COVID. And because we've gone through a really, really hard year, all of us have, I really want to talk about something that's difficult. I want to talk about grief. Yes, grief. Now you might say, oh great, should have missed today, but I'm really glad that you didn't. I'm glad that you're here. And I would like you to, to pause. I'd like to encourage you to pause, that if this topic of grief is just too much, you're done talking about it, you're exhausted, or it just creates fear within you, I would encourage you to just simply notice that fear. Feel it in your body. Just feel it. Take a deep breath with me. I'll even encourage the, the congregation, the staff, take a deep breath with me. And let it go. Simply notice and name this discomfort in your body. It's okay to be uncomfortable, and it's okay to name it. It's actually a good thing. I invite you in safety to stay with me as we explore together what can sometimes feel like a rather difficult topic and emotion to cover. Now, grief is something which I encounter every day at work, and it's something which all of us encounter at least one time or more in our lives. But for most of us, grief is something that is a bit misunderstood. We don't like it. It's kind of, we'll put it over here. 
and we run away from it because of our discomfort and just are not knowing of what to do with it. However, because of my job, grief for me has become something which I am surrounded with every day, something which I have been forced to become, I might you say, familiar with, maybe even comfortable with. Now, hold on. Before you think I start running toward grief and joy, and I'm like, yes, something hard to challenge every day and to face, that's not the case. I don't like it as much as you do. And I cry, and I weep, and I carry that grief within me. Every time I encounter someone, it becomes a part of me. And then I gotta let it go. I think what's different for me is that being around sorrow all the time, I believe what has occurred is an experience over time with Jesus, the compassionate one, the one who has held me firmly in my fear, in my pain, in my sorrow, and has let me know that it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to not be okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3-5 says from the voice, All praise goes to God, Father of our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. He is the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. He consoles us as we endure the pain and hardship of life so that we may draw from his comfort and share it with others in their own struggles. For even as his suffering continues to flood over us, through the anointed, we experience the wealth of his comfort just the same. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's so good. Now, I could tell you the number of times, or I couldn't tell you the number of times, that I have encountered the living one, the Christ, in the midst of my own suffering and pain, and also other people's, people at the hospital and at the care home, and then I see them transformed through their suffering. Now, we all hate suffering, but oddly enough, God uses suffering to transform us into something beautiful. When we allow ourselves, and when I see patients and residents allowing themselves to be truly held in the security of God, they are transformed by his love. Therefore, I would like to invite us today into a contemplative space which will allow us to pray and trust and welcome the living Christ to meet us in our own tears and suffering. But before we do that, let's take a couple of minutes to simply define what grief really is, because this is a big topic. It can feel overwhelming. So grief, according to grief specialists Catherine Shear and Sidney Zissuk, is a series of emotional, cognitive, functional, and behavioral responses to death or other kinds of loss, such as loss of youth or opportunities or functional abilities. Grief is not a state of being, but rather a process. Now, physical symptoms of grief can include fatigue, headaches, sleep problems, physical weakness, digestive problems, change in appetite, frequent bouts of illness, and muscle tension. How many of you struggle with that? I do. How about emotional symptoms of grief? They can include guilt, anger, anxiety, irritability, sadness, loneliness, numbness, and detachment. Who of us have not struggled with that this past year? There are also different types of grief. Anticipatory grief. When you begin mourning the loss before it occurs. So you know someone maybe who's dying of cancer, and you know that they've been, they've been called terminal. Their illness is terminal. 
And so you start to grieve their death even before the loss occurs. That's anticipatory grief. There's secondary loss. That's a second grief following the initial loss. So say you lose your mom, and then every Saturday you always went to the farmer's market, and then after her death, the initial loss happens. You go to that farmer's market the first Saturday after she's gone, and you're like, oh yeah, my mom's gone. That's a second loss. That's hard. There's complicated grief. It's persistent grief that just won't go away. And then there's chronic grief, which is normally due to trauma. It's really hard when we have traumatic loss. It's just complicated and chronic. And then we have absent grief due to one's denial of pain and loss. And we often do that when we just, we just want to shove it down, right? We just don't want to acknowledge it. And then we have absent grief. And then years later, kind of comes out in really unhealthy and sometimes surprising ways. We have cumulative grief, which are many losses all at once. And that's happened a lot to us this year. We lost our uh, ability to visit with people in public. We lost the ability to just breathe without mask. We lost this, we lost that, so many things. And they can be little losses. We can still name them as losses, but then sometimes there's losses that are big all together at once. And then there's disenfranchised grief, which is what I'd like to talk about today. Disenfranchised grief is when a loss is not acknowledged, either due to a culmination of griefs altogether because there's just so much and we can't talk about it because we just have to keep going, or we don't feel comfortable to talk about it because of social stigma, or we've just never been given permission to name it. So you know how when your friend uh, has a dog maybe that dies and then she feels really sad but maybe you grew up in an area where animals just aren't viewed as important as maybe for some people are. And so then she's maybe not given that permission to grieve the death of her dog. But we are starting to see more and more now these days, even cards in Hallmark, you know, sorry that your dog died. And it's, it's genuine, it's real. And so we're slowly giving more permission as we go on and see, and I think we're gonna see more of that now in this season of life, hey, Let's really name this. I lost this opportunity. I lost this person. I lost this, this future event. So today I want to focus on that. I want to focus on disenfranchised grief because that is what many of us have gone through this last year. For example, maybe you missed the chance to have that graduation you longed for. Or maybe you wanted to go to that, that funeral or that, that celebration of life of someone who passed away, but you couldn't because of COVID. Perhaps that special birthday felt dismissed due to the limited gatherings permitted. Or maybe for so many, and I know for Michael and myself, that wedding engagements, we didn't get to celebrate that. Or for so many, that dream wedding that you wanted to have, maybe 25, 50, 100, what we thought used to be small, 300, 400. We can't do that anymore. Not right now. And that's a loss. That's hard. It has been so hard for us to celebrate and grieve together. We barely can. That's a loss. And it's okay to name it. Therefore, whatever your grief is, big or small, it is important to acknowledge it. Because your grief is real and it's yours. 
And I want to give us permission today to name and acknowledge those losses together. How we're going to do this is through a reflective exercise that will allow us to notice our own losses and gently give Christ access to sit with us in our sadness as we read through scripture together. Now, it's important to recognize that all Christian contemplation needs to be partnered with scripture. If we are to experience truth and love together, we must have scripture if we're going to have an experiential moment with Christ. So if you have your Bibles, I'll give you a moment to jump off the couch and run and grab them. I invite you to turn with me to the New Testament, to the book of John, chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. It'll also be on the screen, I believe, for you to see. John, chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. We're going to join Mary Magdalene, a woman who was a member of Jesus' ministry team and who actually ended up being the first witness to the risen Christ. It's pretty cool. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, Why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news and said, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. The story begins much like our year did in 2020, with Mary confused, in grief, searching for answers, scared, and weeping. We all remember that last year, don't we? Pretty scary. Yet the story with Mary ends with her in overwhelming joy and living beyond her tears. She, a woman of ancient Israel, is the first to declare the resurrection of Christ. You go, girl. I love it. Talk about God doing a full emotional healing in her life. Mary has had a literal encounter with the one who lives beyond death and pain, who gives us hope. Now notice how Jesus responds to her by simply saying her name, Mary. Mary. Such empathy, tenderness, and gentleness, and affirmation of her grief. Sometimes just saying someone's name in that way communicates deep understanding of a person's grief. Just being with them. I believe God also wants us to live beyond the pain of 2020. I really do. However, in order for us to do that, we must first do the hard work of acknowledging and naming the grief we have experienced. we got to name it. 
We need to give ourselves permission to feel the discomfort we have gone through in order to allow Christ and others to meet us in our tears. Profound loss was never meant to be avoided, and it was never meant to be dismissed or experienced in isolation. And that's one of the reasons it's so hard right now, because we can't even grieve together. Grief was rather intended to be met and held gently by Jesus Christ himself. We need to hear Jesus lovingly say our names. Now, you may be saying to yourself, but I've never experienced profound loss. Okay, how about panic or stress over the isolation? How about confusion or frustration over restrictions? Overwhelm or exhaustion thinking about COVID or anxiety or depression surrounding the lack of human contact? Or just feeling a total loss of control over your life in general? That's grief. That's loss. We have all, including myself, experienced deep and profound loss with many layers of disenfranchised grief, especially in 2020, but also now in daily, normal life. This last year, we have been forced to face some of our greatest fears, and we've had our coping mechanisms taken away. They've been stripped from us, and we're left with many unknowns and disappointments. And that's why a lot of us are angry. I don't think we mean to be angry, but we feel helpless. We don't know what to do, and so, just give me something normal back, and we get mad. That's okay. It is, it's okay. So I'm going to read, actually I'm going to have Michael, my fiancé, read the story again. But when we do this, I want us to simply stay with Mary in her grief. Stay with her. I would like to invite us to participate with this gospel story and to listen, not just for information's sake, not just to hear it, but for transformation. When we do this, we're allowing our hearts and our minds to be moved by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the first thing I want you to notice is that Mary is weeping. She is experiencing a profound loss and is perhaps weeping for a variety of reasons. Her friend has died, his body is gone, her nation is still in turmoil, and she is alone having to secretly go to the tomb early in the morning, maybe even still almost night before the sun comes up. She's afraid to grieve openly because her grief has been shamed and disenfranchised. There are so many layers here, just like there are many layers to our own grief. Now, one of the things that we do really well here in the West is that we love to fix things. <laughs> and we try to fix everything well. We try to fix everything that we believe is broken. We like to fix cars, we enjoy fixing problems, we enjoy fixing relationships, and we really enjoy fixing each other. <laughs> However, the primary thing I learned as a chaplain is that in order for us to comfort people well in grief is to not fix them. That's a really hard thing to do, to see something broken and just be like, well, just leave it unfixed. That's terrible. We hate not, just we want to fix it. Try not even fixing yourself when you feel sad and down. It's really hard. We just want to dismiss it. Nope, I'll fix it. Just fix it. Make it go away. 
My point is, is that when we look at Jesus' response to Mary, he does not condemn her for her emotions. He does not try to cheer her up and change her mood. He does not move into an addictive helpfulness in order to remove his own discomfort. We do that a lot. And hear me when I say this. This is no shame because I do it too. A lot of the time when we want to help people and we want to make them feel better, it's actually for ourselves because we hate seeing people in pain and we're uncomfortable with it. But what if we joined them in their discomfort? What if we actually joined them in the pit and just said, I'm going to sit with you. I can't fix this. I have no idea how to fix it. I can't even fix myself. But I'll join you. Jesus stays with her in her pain. He remains curious, and he asks her a question, which gives her space to truly explore her own emotions of loss. Another word for creating safe space is called empathy. It's creating sacred space, and it's joining in on that space. It's hard to do. Now, you might say, oh, but I have sympathy for many people. But sympathy and empathy are not the same thing. And I will let Brene Brown explain why in this video. So what is empathy, and why is it very different than sympathy? Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions, very diverse professions, where empathy is relevant, and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective-taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or, or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. <laughs> Recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, and climb down. I know what it's like down here, and you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, it's bad, uh-huh. Uh, no, you want a sandwich? Um, empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time. Because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So I had a miscarriage. Oh, at least you know you can get pregnant. I think my marriage is falling apart. At least you have a marriage. <laughs> John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. 
So just like that bear was connecting with the fox, Jesus is connecting with Mary by meeting her in her pain, by asking her the question, why are you crying? Trevor Hudson, a Methodist minister and speaker for Renovare Christian Institute, says, we need to be willing to enter deeply into the human experience of loss. This is very important if we're ever going to connect with those around us. However, in order to do that well, we must first allow Christ to meet us in our own pain because we cannot give what we do not possess. Therefore, ask yourself this. Have you ever allowed Christ to ask you the question, why are you crying? I'll look at Pastor Ernie and say, Pastor Ernie, why are you crying? Have you ever asked Jesus to ask you that? Lord, I'm willing. Would you, would you ask me that, Lord? This is not a harsh question. It holds no shame or blame. It has no assumptions. It is a question full of loving kindness, patience, and tender compassion. So as Michael comes up to read through John 20, verse 11 through 18 again, I want to encourage you to allow Mary to represent you as you hear Jesus asking her the question, why are you crying? And as you do, allow yourself to meditate upon this passage of Scripture and to hear Jesus' question personally addressed to you, why are you crying? Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbanai, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus is giving Mary permission to stop and to feel the depth of her pain. Just so hard for so many of us to do. Have you ever given yourself permission to just feel your pain? A lot of us weren't given that permission in our childhood, not because our parents didn't want to, but a lot of the time we just didn't have the time. 
or they didn't know how. So I want to give you permission. And Jesus wants to give you permission. Unfortunately, because of our lack of choosing to sit in our pain or our inability, or we just don't know how, our avoidance and numbing of our pain can often lead to a number of issues such as addictive responses, mental health concerns, extreme anger, and physical concerns. Matthew 11, verse 28, reminds us that Jesus wants to give us rest. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm, Beautiful words, beautiful invitation. And so as we go out in our week and our month and into a year that doesn't seem to be giving us a lot of hope yet, I want to encourage you to really reflect on Jesus' words. Why are you crying? And when you feel ready, simply respond with, Lord, I'm crying because, and go from there. Remember, feel free to take time with this question to know that you don't have to answer it alone. You are not alone in this, even though you may feel like it. There are many people here at EFC who would love to connect with you, either by phone or by email, and hopefully soon in person. In order to simply journey with you, they want to do this. They want to be there for you. And you can answer that that question with Jesus and with others who care. Finally, as we end our time together, I want to leave you with hope. I want to encourage you to pray your pain in 2021. Yes, pray your pain. To share with Jesus the sorrow of your heart. Hear him calling out your name. And when we do this, when we share, we are opening ourselves up and giving Christ access to our pain in order to heal it. Remember, this is not about giving God information. He already knows. He already knows. It is about allowing his grace and his mercy into our hearts to transform our pain like a good father who already knows what a child is going through when the child comes to the father and says, Papa, I'm hurting. My child, tell me more. Tell me more. It's about allowing his grace and his mercy to transform our hearts into transformative ministry and healing because God is in the job of redemption and resurrection. You are not alone in this. This grief will not end in death because God is in the process of creating life out of death and using our suffering for healing and transformative ministry. One of the many great testimonies of grief being transformed into faith is the story of Horatio Spafford, who wrote the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. This man of faith experienced great tragedy and sorrow over and over, including the death of his young son to pneumonia, the destruction and ruin of his business due to the Great Chicago Fire, and then the drowning of his four daughters at sea. That's a lot of grief. While these losses changed his life forever, He nevertheless allowed his faith to transform his pain 
into a declaration of faith through the medium of music and poetry. So if you have a moment after the service, I encourage you, take a look at the words he wrote and reflect upon his strength and courage as he turned his eyes in the midst of intense grief toward the living Christ, in the midst of his heartache and loss and tragedy and confusion and weariness. And so as we prepare to sing our next song, I encourage you to simply listen. Maybe even lean back against your sofa, your chair, maybe your bed, wherever you are. And think upon the words and the question that Jesus has. Why are you crying? And gently allow the Holy Spirit to sit with you in your grief, allowing him to minister to you as he transforms your hurt and loss into a supernatural joy and celebration. May the Lord bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go with God. You are not alone. He is with you this day. Amen.